Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name's Ray Heron, we are in our summer series right now and this week's episode it is Matthew Day Gillett and his thoughts on the brand new KLR 650 from Kawasaki. Righto guys, so, well, let's face it, this coronavirus thing's been a pain in the butt for uh, so many of us this past year, but um, one highlight of it, I guess, was um, that being the only member of the Kiwi Rider team in terms of from one end of the nation to the other that had access to Kawasaki New Zealand throughout lockdown, that meant I had the privilege of uh, getting my hands on the 2022 Kawasaki KLR650. Now, this bike has had a whole load of changes for 2022. It's still that same old dinosaur in some respects, but it is a completely new beast in others. So let's dive into it. Like many other Japanese dual sport models, the Kawasaki KLR650 was slated for extinction thanks to those lovely new regulations across the globe, particularly emissions ones. But Kawasaki's venerable old dinosaur has evolved and has returned from the endangered species list as a digital 2022 model. Now in this day and age, it's not often we see something come back from the brink of extinction. Sure, we've heard murmurs that scientists are working to bring back the woolly mammoth, but it's not like we've seen the mammoth wandering around lately. Something we have seen, however, are sightings of Kawasaki's previously assumed extinct adventure steed, the KLR650. Now, I'll confess I was genuinely surprised when Kawasaki revealed a revamped 2022 KLR650 earlier this year. Like many, I was hoping Team Green would fill the void left by the demise of the hilariously analogue second-gen KLR650 by joining the multi-cylinder adventure bike world, preferably with a new take on the old KLE500, which I reckon actually was ahead of its time and it's sad that it was discontinued in 2008. Instead, Kawasaki pulled a head-scratcher for the multi-cylinder fanboys out there by resurrecting the tried-and-true KLR650. But subverting expectations seems to be what Kawasaki does best. And instead of starting from scratch and leaping into the crowded multi-cylinder middleweight market, the boffins at the engineering department did something that no other Japanese manufacturer has otherwise achieved thus far. That being, they dragged a mid-capacity thumper designed in the 1980s, kicking and screaming into the modern world by adding EFI and ABS brakes to the mix. For the 2022 model year, the KLR650 gets a number of key changes to the engine to bring it up to modern emission standards, with renewed attention paid to rider comfort along with visual design, LED lighting and, of course, ABS brakes. There's also a factory accessorised KLR650 Adventure model, which adds luggage frames, hard panniers, crash protection and fog lights to the package, all for a slight additional cost. Now, as you might expect, the cost of entry has gone up a bit compared to the second gen bike, with the 2022 KLR650 entering the market $11,495. The kitted out Adventure model retails for $12,995, and that saves you a whopping $1,817 compared to adding each of the Adventure model's extras to a base model bike. Considering what Kawasaki has changed, the jump in price isn't particularly severe, I reckon, and the KLR remains an affordable option for the adventure minded rider. Starting with the frame, Kawasaki has replaced the problematic subframe, which had a tendency to break its mounting bolts with heavy touring loads, which, let's face it, the KLR650 is bound to do. It is a, well, affordable mile muncher. There is very little else you can call it. Uh, so the subframe is now welded to the frame and is, this should improve reliability. So long as you don't bend the bike and damage that subframe, then you're in a whole load of trouble. 
The engine has received a slew of updates as well, with the most prominent, of course, being the switch to a Kian EFI system. Fueling is quite good, with the best bit in my book, the ease of which the new big single comes to life compared to faffing around with a choke in the carburetor model. Just push the button and she's gone. Now, while other countries will get an option of a KLR without ABS, New Zealand models only come in ABS guise. This is due to the new ABS regulations that came into effect on the 1st of November 2021. And this might have actually worked in Kawasaki's favour as those regulations have killed the KLR's primary competition in the New Zealand market, the top-selling Suzuki DR650. Now, while the ABS isn't switchable, which is a real shame as I think that might put a few people off. But don't get me wrong, the ABS is actually not a bad thing. Uh, we'll get into that later. The KLR's cockpit has added total redesign as well, with the analog gauges replaced with a digital display that offers all the usual info except a tachometer or gear position indicator. It does, however, offer a fuel gauge for the massive 23 litre fuel tank for the first time, which is rather handy. The plastics have all been revised, with the exception of the front fender, which carries over from the Gen 2 model. This is one area where the KLR does show its budget nature a bit, as the front cowlings feel like great quality, sturdy plastic, while the rear plastics noticeably feel softer and kind of cheaper. Uh, there's a lot of flex when you give them a wiggle, um, and they just feel generally softer. The right rear cowling in particular is possibly the worst here, but it is a contact point when the bike is dropped, and I suspect Kawasaki did this on purpose for durability's sake. The harder plastic on the main fairings uh, are similarly protected by smaller sacrificial plastic parts that should act as a first point of contact should you drop the bike. So instead of replacing those nice, beautiful, big, hard plastics, you'll just be replacing a smaller, softer, sacrificial piece of plastic. Interestingly, the new KLR 650 actually weighs a couple of boxes of beer heavier than its predecessor at 210 kilos wet. That's still in the ballpark for what ADV riders expect, but it's 15 kilos heavier than the old bike. Where that weight has come from, I have no idea, but at a guess, it's a longer swing arm, partly mixed with the additional electronics and ABS pump and catalytic converter to get to Euro 5. Well, Euro 4, I believe, actually. With the KLR primarily being a travel bike these days, Kawasaki has put a lot of effort into reducing vibrations that reach the rider. For the most part, their efforts have actually worked quite nicely. The bars are rubber mounted, as are the seat and foot pegs. More on those later. Uh, so your primary contact points are well insulated from the vibrations of the engine, at least compared to the old bikes. However, the fuel tank doesn't appear to have received the same attention and clamping the tank with your knees quickly reminds you that you've got a large capacity single between your legs. As always, power is transferred to the ground through a 5-speed gearbox, and while a 6-speed is the expectation these days, honestly, I didn't find myself hunting for a 6th gear all that often during my time with the KLR. For adventure touring, the factory gearing seems pretty good for New Zealand conditions and our low highway speed limits. Despite the numerous changes, the KLR 650 is still rather an old soul at heart. That's far from a bad thing too. With its lumpy 650 single beating away beneath that massive fuel store, it actually feels quite characterful. And I'm not talking oddball character here. It's a bike that actually feels like it connects you to the road through mechanics rather than witchcraft. And the thrum of the engine as you roll along the countryside, I found personally, was quite soothing. So, out on the highway. With the Waikato returning to Alert Level 2, I leapt at the opportunity to take the KLR to the Coromandel for a catch-up with family and the obligatory play-out in the local forestry roads. Crossing the Haraki Plains on the KLR was a generally comfy affair. The work Team Green has put into reducing vibrations felt by the rider has paid off compared to my memories of the Gen 2 bike. The cockpit is a pretty pleasant place to be in general. 
The big brush guards deflect most of the wind from your hands and lower arms while the screen and fairing take the pressure off from your chest and shoulders. With the windscreen set in its lowest position, I found it directed wind directly at my eyeline. Good for keeping me ventilated on a hot day, but not so great in terms of buffeting. Pulling out the tools from the factory tool set, and I had the screen mounted in the high position within a couple of minutes. To be honest, I didn't actually notice much of a change in buffeting around my head, but it did make it easier to duck down into that still air pocket behind the screen. Off the beaten path. With a few hours set aside to muck about on the KLR in the forestry, I set out for a few old favourites from a misspent youth with what I thought was a good idea on how the KLR would perform. My primary thoughts were it would wallow about worse than my personal bike, a CRF250 Rally, and the non-switchable ABS would prove a major limiting factor. Naturally, as all assumptions with Kawasaki, and assumptions in general, the KLR made me feel like a bit of an ass at the end of the day for assuming its overall capability was lacking. The 41mm fork is surprisingly pliable and lacks major dive as I was expecting under it breaking. While the Unitrack rear shock offers both preload and rebound dampening with easy access to the clicker at the base of the unit. It's still a big trailer at the end of the day and it is indeed quite capable off the tar but those modern amenities and comfort add-ons do become slight hindrances when it's time to stand up and be counted. The large 23 litre fuel tank and quite luxurious seat emphasise the KLR's size particularly in tight twisty single tracks that you somehow accidentally find yourself riding on when following a sign to owning mana. At least that is compared to smaller bikes. It certainly feels more of a tourer than a trail weapon, that's for sure. The biggest crime Kawasaki has performed with the new KLR 650 are, of course, its foot pegs. Okay, out on the road, they're actually really fantastic and do their job of not transferring vibrations to the rider off um, really, really well. But off the seal, they are far from great. Uh, All that rubber translates to very little confidence standing up, and I often felt like my feet were sliding off the pegs. Uh, If I owned a 22 KLR, a set of cleated foot pegs would be where I would spend my first dollars sparkling up the bike. Despite the foot pegs and its general girth, the KLR surprised me yet again when I found myself on what turned out to be a walking track in the forest behind Onimana. Even with its non-switchable ABS, the KLR happily navigated through the tight track with confidence, and I wish I could say I had the same feeling as I turned its wheels onto that downhill track at the start. The ABS did activate a couple of times on me, but I was surprised how much room it gave me before it actually intervened. Keeping the idea of progressive braking in mind seemed to help to prevent it from activating as well. I do suspect, however, that if more advanced adventure riding is in your plans, say, I don't know, that lovely uh, downhill section at the top of Jolly Pass or uh, the Mangatapu, um, you'd probably want to pull the ABS fuse out um, to ensure that tight technical riding doesn't cause you any unwanted grief. Possibly the worst or the best depending on your inclination thing that could be said about the base KLR 615 and its gleaming orange paint came when I first parked it up at the family homestead. What's that KTM you're riding today Matt? It looks good. Well dad, it's actually Kawasaki. Uh, So that's the KLR 650. Uh, Cracking bike, yes, non-switchable ABS is a limiting factor, but pull the fuse and you're away laughing. Still, the Kawasaki is a brilliant, capable and, quite frankly, affordable middleweight adventure tourer that can get you anywhere you point it. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with it and I'm definitely going to miss that 650cc single. It has a lovely talky character and uh, yeah, the, the old 250, she's... She's feeling a wee bit weak after riding that KLR. 
Thanks very much, Matt, for more photos, specs, and a bit more of the story. Check out the latest Kiwi Rider magazine. Go to kiwirider.co.nz or check out Matt's website on throttle.co.nz. Remember, you can always email us, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. Connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok as well. Just search Kiwi Rider Podcast on all of those platforms. I've been Ray. That was Matt. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. <laughs>